I said, absolutely. I said, one, don't apologize. Two, I completely understand. And three, I agree. That's where you need to be. So that's where a good chunk of our people are at tonight. And so they're at the Cowboy Church doing what's the, the one tree, which is kind of a deal that JoJo and some of the youth have come up with, or the youth leaders, where they try to get kids from different denominations and different churches just to all come together and do something, which I think is amazing. We didn't have that when I was growing up. So you kind of had to create something like that. So the fact that they do that just in and of itself is awesome. And so we want to absolutely, uh, we'll, we'll have a little time of prayer tonight. We're going to do just what I would call an old-fashioned Bible study tonight. I hope you guys are all right with that. We're in the purple book. Uh, this is one of the longer, or longer lessons. It's got 13 different uh, questions on it. So we won't make it through all of that, but we will stick with the book. But I'm just going to do kind of a... What I would call Bible study, I would picture us just sitting in a small class together, going through the Bible. If you've got questions or comments, listen, tonight's the night to ask them, because I want to know for sure. And I think it's good. I think it's helpful. If you have a question or a comment, I've said this so many times as a teacher, uh, a lot of times you may be afraid to say something if you're not comfortable speaking, but you may be asking the question or saying the comment that somebody else needs to hear. And so maybe you're going to be that person that asks something, and you'll reveal something to somebody that maybe I'm not going to be able to. So always be willing uh, to, to say something or ask a question, because I guarantee you it's going to benefit somebody else. So we'll have a time of prayer here in just a minute. I want to hold up the One Tree event, the kids. Uh, then I'm going to let you guys just tell me some things as well. And so we'll have a little bit of prayer. The game plan tonight, I'm a little bit late already. It's after 6.35. I'm going to try to wrap up by 7.30. Yay. <laughs> So we'll try to wrap up around 7.30, 7.45 at the latest, get you guys out of here. I know that's too late to enjoy the weather, but you know, walk slowly to your car and you can just take it all in for that few minutes. But one thing I want to do before we get into that, before we get into spiritual things, although this is very spiritual for me, Pastor Appreciation, I'm sure Pastor Brown will say something to you, JoJo, Shane, Aaron, and Chelsea. I'm going to speak for myself, but I know they would say the same thing. Thank you guys. You guys make it easy to serve and to be pastors. And me as a young pastor, and this being my first church to serve in that, man, I can't imagine it ever being any better than this. So you guys have blessed us uh, with your prayers, with your giving, just with your support for us and for our family. So I want to say that to you guys right out of the gates tonight. Thank you so much for that. It just, it's, it's humbling. And, and it may not seem like you may think, oh, hey, yeah, but it's really a difficult situation to be in. Pastor Brown really hit on that to start receiving uh, part of your income or all of your income from the church when you've just worked like everybody else. It, it takes a shift inside of you to be able to do that, but thank you for it. I uh, pray God continues to bless you, uh, and thank you for your prayers. Continue to hold us up as pastors and our families. We really need that. Covet your prayers. Uh, the next thing is our fall festival. So our fall festival is coming up on October 30th, so that's a week from today. Uh, Chelsea's kind of the one that I would say is over that, that's kind of spearheading that. So if you want to do a booth or you want to do something or if you just want to help kind of volunteer, maybe you don't want to do a booth, but there's somewhere you'd like to volunteer, find Chelsea because I promise you she is not going to turn you away. We can always use all the help that we can get. So fall festival is coming up next Wednesday. So we won't have our normal time here. Everything will be back in the Family Life Center. Number three, and I'm sure that there's more than this, but I'm just going to share this one. JoJo, we were talking about this and so we've just decided just to go ahead and do it. We don't really have it strategically laid out, but we, we don't really have to. There's a, we're going to have a foster family support team. We have six active foster families in our church. I don't think, and JoJo doesn't think, that they should have to look outside of this church to find the support that they need. So this is a ministry where we can say, maybe you can't be a part of the call but because we have church family that's here, man, let's put our arms around them. What do you need? Is it, you know, maybe watching a kid or is it diapers or is it a meal or is it prayer? What is it? We'll just really come around these families that are in our church. So if you're interested in that, that's going to be this Sunday after the a.m. service in the hospitality room, kind of an info meeting so you can learn more about that. But I would love to see that room full of people because that's an awesome thing that these families do. And as a church, uh, we should do everything we can to support them because that's, uh, that's a mission field. And tonight we're talking about evangelism and world missions. Missions is bigger than just going overseas. And when you wake up and when you step your feet on the ground, you are actively participating in missions, if you ask me. If you are fostering children, you are on the front lines of the mission field. So we definitely want to support them. So that's, I wanted to put those things before you. Purple book tonight, chapter 11. We're almost there. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Allender said, are you guys ever going to finish the purple book? I think y'all started that when we started kids ministry here. I said, we're making it, Dylan, slowly but surely. But it's been good, so I've enjoyed it. Chapter 11, 
We'll get through it. Chapter 12 will be the final one. So I would say it's probably going to be after the first of the year before we finish it. But I'm not really in a hurry because whatever lessons we go through, each lesson that we went through, God has shown me something. Whether it be something I know a lot about or something I maybe don't know as much about, I've taken something out of every lesson. And so I'm thankful for that. So tonight is evangelism and world missions. But let's, let's just have a quick time of prayer. We're going to hold up one tree and the youth. And then I want to give you guys... The, the chance, if you have a prayer request, just to lift it up. Because in my reading this week, I thought it was interesting. Jesus goes to blind Bartimaeus. And he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Now think about that question. So the blind guy makes it to Jesus. Jesus makes it to him. They're face to face. He's blind. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Is it not obvious? But a lot of times, for whatever reason, the Lord would like for us to speak out the desire that's in our heart or speak out the need that we have in His presence. And so I think that there's something powerful about that. So as you say, that, well, I'm just lifting up a prayer request tonight. Well, I think where two or three are gathered, He is with us. And so when you lift up a need or something in this, you're lifting it up in the presence of Jesus and saying, I just want to put this before you and before others to pray for this. So we got the one tree Foster families in our church. Anybody else got anything you would just want to lift up? Yes, ma'am. Matt and Christy Irwin. Okay. Matt and Christy Irwin. Did you have one, Monica? Provisions. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyone else tonight? Mary Lynn? I got you over there. Okay. For the bridge. Do you mind if I say a little bit? Of, yeah. Can I say something about it? Okay. So, so Doug and Mary Lynn have kind of had it laid on their heart to kind of try to do something for what many times is called a young adult. So that's that age where maybe 18 to 30, it's kind of an awkward season, especially when you, in Hebrew, a lot of times there's not things. Me and my wife went through that season. And so it can be kind of that transition where you are an adult, but the society would tell you maybe you're not. There's just so much going on in that. And a lot of times we can miss that age. And it's not that we want to shift everything and begin to focus on that, but we definitely don't want to turn our eyes to that. So They've got a ministry, they're going to call it the bridge, to kind of gap that. And that's something we as a church need to be praying about, that God would bring more young adults and they would find a home here in the church and find that fellowship and connection. So absolutely the bridge. Paul? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, Miss Kathy. Okay. Praying for him on Friday. Okay. Okay. Mhm. No. Hey, I'm going to say this too. If somebody says something and you feel like the Lord lays something on your heart to do something about it, that's the other thing too. Because when Jesus told the, told the disciples to pray to send laborers in the harvest, and they prayed and then he looked up and he said, I'm sending you. And so let's, let's be open to that too when we hear a need that if God really quickens something in you, that's something we would do something about. Okay. Ramonica, yes. To level out. Okay. Kelly Robertson. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, okay. Anybody else before we go into prayer? Yes, ma'am. Ziva. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Anybody else? Mariah. Absolutely. For Mariah. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Because it's going to be hard to go through every one of those. I'm going to give us just a few moments of silence. And everything that we talked about that quickens on your heart, I want to give you the time to pray for it. Because we're talking about tonight, everyone's a minister. We're all called to pray. Your prayers are heard just as quickly as mine. Just because I have a microphone and the title of pastor doesn't mean that I have a quicker route to God than you do. We're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's take just a few minutes. If we get some music in the background, let's just take a few moments to pray. I'll come up and close us in that time of prayer and we'll get into our studies. I thank you that we can come before you in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, as your word says, to call out for grace and to receive grace. And so for every prayer request that we have lifted up tonight, God, I pray that you begin to work in and through those situations, God. First and foremost, for your glory, God, but because you love and care for us, Lord, I thank you that every need that we have, that as we bring it before you, God, and it brings you that honor and glory, you desire to meet those needs, Lord. So for foster families, for the kids at One Tree tonight, Lord, for Miss Kathy's brother, Lord, for better communication, for the bridge, for Eva, for Paul and his family, Lord, for everything that was spoken, for the Irwins, God, I pray, meet their needs according to your riches in glory, God. And bless us in this time, Lord, as we study your word. My prayer when I come into this house is, Lord, that I will be changed by the word of God and by the spirit of God, that I might walk out of here and be the minister that you've called me to be, Lord. Bless us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes it's just good to pray. Just simple prayer. I think we make it complicated a lot of times. It's just good just to pray. And it's good to study the word, amen? So that's what we're going to do tonight. I didn't really know exactly which way to go. But if you're in chapter 11 and you've got a purple book, is there anybody that needs a purple book? Because we have a few. You need one over there? Okay. Anybody else? Purple book, purple book, chapter 11. <clears throat> Evangelism and world missions. These are a couple of things that I'm really passionate about. So many people in our church are. Uh, the first verse that you see right there is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is my handwriting. I thought about saying this was my kid's handwriting because it's just, but anyways, it's my handwriting. Try to pull a Pastor Brown. I was writing it right here. And as you're writing it here, you think, well, that's pretty big. But then as I brought it in here, I thought, well, that's not that big. So I hope you guys can see that. All right. We're going to kind of, we're going to kind of dissect this a little bit. This is what many people refer to as the Great Commission. And so these are the words of Jesus right before he ascends. In the Bible, it is not called the Great Commission. That's kind of what we have called it. And commission is kind of that marching orders, if you want to think of it that way. This is what he said. I'm leaving, but this is what you're supposed to do. So this is what all Christians... He didn't just give this to the disciples right there. He gave this to all Christians. This is what we're called to do. If you are a Christian, these are your orders as well. Until he returns, this is the business that we're supposed to be about. So I want to go through this a little bit. I'll use a marker and kind of 
show you some ways that when I read a passage of Scripture, how do I read it? Because one of the things that, talking to a couple people today, it's so important not just to read your Bible, but to know how to read your Bible. And so you can read it. The main thing is read it with humility. If you go in to read or study, just ask the Lord to reveal things to you. Come to the Word of God with humility, and God will reveal things to you. But there is a particular way that you can study the Scriptures and you can make connections between certain words and things that are going on that will really help you to open up. And so I start right here because that's where they start within the Purple Book. They start with this as kind of the bedrock for everything that we do. And so discipleship is huge, and Jesus is telling us right here. And I want to read this. I want to show you kind of the way that I do some things. You may not like to make marks in your Bible. I don't. But sometimes if I read a particular passage, I may print it out. That way I can scribble all over it. Some people like to mark it. You should see my wife's Bible. It's falling apart because she loves to mark in it. I just can't bring myself to do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just can't do it. So when I read a passage like this, it's really important to know the connections and see the things that are going on. I'm going to show you some things that maybe you didn't know. And maybe it'll give you a better understanding of what it actually means to be obedient to the Great Commission. Because that's what we're shooting for. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, we want to do that, right? That, that's what you're here for tonight. You're not here to see me. You're here to learn more about him and be obedient to him and grow in your worship and love for him, right? So when he says something in anything in the Word, we want to know how to, to be obedient to that. And what is the Word of God teaching us? And what is the Word of God saying? And so many people, when they get to the Great Commission, will start with verse 19. And depending on what translation you have, it's either going to say, therefore, go. Some of them will just start with the word go. And so a lot of people, when they come to the Great Commission, the first thing that is on their mind is going. I've got to go. I've got to do. I've got to be on the move. Listen, that's not where the Great Commission starts. The Great Commission starts right here, verse 18, because you can't fulfill 19 and 20 unless it is resting on the foundation of verse 18. And so Jesus says this. He says, all authority... Verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if I'm studying this, I'm circling this right here. How much authority has been given to Jesus? All. All authority. This authority has been given to who? Given to me. Who is the me? Give me the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Already I see all authority has been given to Jesus. And this is not just authority in heaven. Catch this. It's heaven and where? Earth. And so I'm seeing this established right now. Jesus is speaking these words. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is Lord. That was the earliest Christian creed. You want to know why? Because they knew this truth. He had all authority. When you understand that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, then you can understand how verses 19 and 20 can be a possibility. Because he's saying, I have all authority and all power in heaven and earth. Therefore, now catch this word right here. If you are studying your Bible and you come across the word therefore, that means everything that you just read, now here's the response. So if you open up your Bible and start reading and the first word you read is therefore, stop. Either go back and read the verse before it or possibly go back and read the chapter before it because you're not going to be able to put this together apart from this because he is saying because of this, Therefore, because I have all authority, you can do what I'm about to tell you to do. And so he says, therefore, go, catch this, go, make disciples of all nations. Now this right here could be translated Gentiles. So it's not just necessarily talking about you've got to do a mission trip. Those are wonderful things we should be doing. But when we say Gentiles... The Jews only saw two kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. And so Jesus is speaking to Jews when he says this. And he says, go make disciples of all nations. Basically, he's saying make disciples of everyone. People right in front of you and people all the way across the world. Everyone. So make disciples of all nations, baptizing, catch that, baptizing in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know in Pentecostalism, there was a movement known as the Jesus-only movement, where you're only supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I know that that comes from a reading of the book of Acts, but these are Jesus' own words, and he tells you when you're going to do a baptism, you do it in what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching, catch the I-N-Gs right there, 
We're going. We're baptizing. We're teaching. What are we teaching them to do? Obey. Obey everything I've commanded you. So I'm going to stop right there. What do you think? An imperative. Here's what I'm going to tell you. An imperative. That's a command. When you're reading in Greek, there's certain things that are imperatives. And what that means is that's a commandment. And then there are things called participles. The participle is how you fulfill the imperative. So trek with me here. There's only one imperative in all of that verse. There's only one command. If I were to ask you what's the one command, what would you think it was? To obey? Okay. Most people, most people will say, this is, the, this is it right here. Go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. That's not it. That's a participle. The only imperative in this entire thing is right here. Make disciples. And in all honesty, you could probably more accurately translate that right there as this. Go and disciple. Not make disciples, just go and disciple. That is the only command. This right here, going, baptizing, and teaching are how you fulfill this command. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. The main thing that you and I are supposed to be about is not going. It's not even necessarily baptizing. It's not even necessarily teaching. All those fall under the category of this right here. Disciple. Discipling. So how does that play out? And we're talking about evangelism. You have to go. But what this word go right here really means is as you are going. So as you are living, make disciples. Or as you are living, disciple. You don't have to leave here tonight, buy a ticket to Africa and go on a mission trip to fulfill the Great Commission. All you have to do is look around you. How am I living the Great Commission? How am I discipling? With, if you have children, are you discipling your children? And see, this is a point of a little bit of contention, but I'll tell you where I stand on it. Some people think that you cannot disciple somebody until they are saved. I disagree with that. Now, to be a true disciple, you have to have faith in Jesus. But listen, when my two-year-old son is sitting around the table and we're holding hands and we're praying, and out of his mouth, because he can't speak many words, is in Jesus' name, amen. I'm discipling that child. I'm not waiting until he makes a profession of faith and going, all right, now that you figured that out, I'll disciple you. I'm discipling before he even knows it's happening because this is what my life is about, disciple-making, being a disciple who tries to make disciples in everything that I do. And it's about sharing the gospel. You have to share the gospel. But the main thing that we got to do, and we're going to see this in 2 Corinthians, is we have to offer them Jesus. That's through your words. That's through your actions. That's through everything that you do. Your life has to revolve around discipling people and always in every situation making that the aim of your life. And so I was talking with a wonderful woman of our church today, and she was telling me about her grandkids, telling me about how they play church and things like that. In my mind, I'm processing that as you're discipling your grandkids. And she kind of caught that and knew that. I just want to encourage you guys to, to fulfill the Great Commission. You don't have to do miraculous and marvelous things. Praise God when you do. But are you looking throughout your daily life, where you work, the people you come in contact with, the way that you speak, are you seeing all of that as being a way to disciple people? Because Jesus said, and this is where I challenge people to say, well, you can't disciple somebody until they're saved. Most Pentecostal interpretation that I've heard would say that the disciples were truly born again when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When did Jesus start discipling them? When he said, follow me. He was willing to say, you follow me. You listen to my teachings and you watch the way that I live. And that was all, in my opinion, discipleship. And that's what I do. You may have some unbelieving friends that you're trying to win to the Lord. It's not just about sharing the message. You have to share the message, and we'll talk about that later. You cannot leave that out. But they're looking at the way that you live. They're listening to the things that you say. And all of that falls under, in my opinion, the category of discipling somebody because you are showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. So you have to go, but what this means is as you are going, as you are living in your daily life, are you discipling? Baptizing right here. 
Baptism is like the wedding ring. See, in the early church, there was not this disconnect of I got saved and then a week or a month or a year or five years later, I got baptized. It was profess faith in Jesus and get baptized because they saw the connection between the two. It was really two sides of the same coin. The moment you profess faith in Jesus, you were going to be baptized because that was the way that you connected and you showed in a physical way that you were united with Christ. I know many men that don't wear wedding rings probably because they've had their fingers almost ripped off. But I choose to wear mine because it shows I'm a married man. You can know that by talking to me, but this is a symbol that shows that I'm connected and united with my wife. Baptism is kind of the same thing. And so when you go and somebody is converted, the next step is to baptize them because that is something that is crucial, crucial to your union with Christ and declaring that to the world. And then here's the part that we a lot of times don't completely understand. Teaching. I'm teaching you guys tonight. But you're not just teaching people through your words. Again, you teach them not just by knowledge that you impart, but by living life so that people can see the way that you live. Paul said this. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Are you willing to look at somebody and say, you know what? If you want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, just watch me. That's a bold statement. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect because we are not Jesus. But are we willing to put ourselves in a situation where we say, you know what, there's a person that's really desiring to know more about Jesus. What we tend to do is say, here's a book. I read this book. It was a great book. Read this book. Listen, do that. But sometimes what people need is, one, just the relationship, the fellowship, just to talk with somebody, to ask questions. And they just need to see. Some people are visual learners, and they need to see the way that you speak to other people. We have somebody that's considering joining this church. It's a friend of mine. One of the things that drove him to possibly joining this church was watching Pastor Brown worship. Listen, he loves his preaching, but because he's a worshiper and he saw the way that Pastor Brown worships when he puts on the, the antennas, and he because he's a true worshiper, he is discipling people in this audience, including our congregation, before he ever steps on the platform and speaks a word. You're doing the same thing if you're a follower of Jesus. But you got to realize that. It's not just when you're in church. It's not just when you're teaching a Bible study. It's all the time. As you are going, disciple. And then when somebody is converted by sharing the gospel and they come to faith, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then teach them. Teach them. Yes, sit down and do Bible studies. Absolutely. But also just teach them through letting them watch the way that you live, that they'll obey everything that I've commanded you. And here's the promise. And surely... I am with you always to the end of the age. You want to know why the Great Commission cannot fail? Because it's not completed in your strength. It's His mission to complete. You and I get to participate in it. He's the one who has all authority. It's been given to Him. Here's what we do. Here's the promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you go in my name and do these things, it will produce fruit because I'm the one that's with you carrying it forward. That's where I want to be. And so when I'm talking about evangelism, it's more for me than just sharing a message, getting somebody to sign a card, walk down an aisle and being done. Listen, Jesus didn't tell you, please catch this. I'm I'm kind of splitting hairs. Jesus didn't tell you to go make converts. He told you to make disciples. That's a little bit different. Yes, people need to be converted, but what we're after is true disciples. Man, if you share the gospel with somebody and they come to faith in Jesus, praise God for that. But the work has just begun. And unfortunately, that's the place where we stop and we go try to find somebody else. Evangelism for me is about the sharing of the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then baptizing that person, and then saying, brother, sister, I'm willing to teach you, spend time with you, meet with you, whatever I need to do to show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as I do this, I don't have to get nervous. I don't have to worry. I'm not perfect, but guess what? He said that I'm with you until the end of the age. So, son, if you decide to obey this, I'm right there with you. That's evangelism. Listen to this statement. Jesus has more invested in your ministry than you ever will. you got to realize that. You think, man, this is going to cost me a lot. Listen, I, I didn't hang on a cross for this, but he did. So the moment you think, I don't have the courage to share this, or I don't have the ability, pastor, to teach and disciple, yes, you do. Why? Because he's the one that's going to fulfill it. 
All he's looking for from you and from me is humility and willingness. That's it. He'll do the teaching. He'll do the leading. When somebody sits down to talk with me, they can't see it, but internally I'm praying, God, give me the words to speak because I just want to speak to them what you want me to say. I'm a vessel for you to speak. That's all I'm trying to do. That's freed me up a whole lot trying to think I've got to have the right answer every time. Listen, I'll get you off if it's just me, but not by might, not by power. What do you say? By my spirit. And so that's something I wanted to just, right at the start, I wanted to talk about that. So as we move into the rest of this lesson, that's going to kind of be the backdrop that if we're doing evangelism, I really want to break that mentality that all evangelism is is standing on a street corner and preaching a Turner Burn message. Because if, unfortunately, what that does to a lot of people is drive them away. I will preach on sin as hard as anybody else. But I'm going to preach on sin in the context that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever would believe would be saved. The blood of Jesus was spilled for you, brother, sister, so that you wouldn't live in sin any longer. And yes, I believe in an eternal punishment for those who disobey, but I believe in a God who sent his own son so that no one would have to. And if I've got that message and I've received it, who am I to keep it? So that's, kind of, that's evangelism for me right there. And so, oh, thought we had a hand up. So as we go into what we start in right here is 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, we'll look in 2 Corinthians. We'll go about 20 more minutes. You guys good? And please ask questions because I'll get to rambling. I may even start talking really fast. And if you need to, just, just give me one of these. That's a slow down just a little bit because as I get excited, I tend to talk a little bit faster. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I really enjoy 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to talk about a few things within the context of evangelism. The title for the lesson is Everyone's a Minister. You've got to realize that. You are a minister. If you're a child of God, I don't care if you're an infant in Christ, you are a minister, and God is the one who's going to give you the strength at whatever level you're at to faithfully fulfill the ministry that you have as a child of God. So question number one, what ministry has God given to each believer? That's 2 Corinthians 5.18. Does anybody have that answer? It's a ministry of reconciliation. Right there it is on the screen. Thank you guys for that. Now, all things are of God. Who has, notice that, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul is writing to believers. I believe that reconciliation has been made possible for all men and women, but it is only appropriated through faith. But Paul is writing to believers to encourage them. And so he says, we are already reconciled. But God, because he has reconciled you and me, has in turn given us a ministry of reconciliation for everyone else. For whatever reason, in God's sovereign purposes, he has chosen to use people to get the message out. If you keep your mouth shut, people will not hear. We need to hear that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So you may think it's insignificant for you to just tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. But that might be the thing that shakes somebody or that reaches in doesn't always have to be a complicated message. In our life group, we've got time for a story. In our life group, we had a, a lady who talked about that. She said she was at Walmart in the checkout line, and she just knew. There were 50 people behind her. It was one of those days the cashier was trying to ring people up. And she knew it the moment that she looked at the cashier. I'm supposed to say, I don't know what situations and circumstances are, but God loves you. You know what she did? Exactly what most of us do. Left. <laughs> But by the time she got done putting up her groceries, she couldn't take it anymore. So she humbled herself, walked back into Walmart, cut through some people, said, Ma'am, you don't know me. I don't know you. But I have to tell you this. Don't know your situation. Don't know your circumstances. God loves you. Said the lady immediately began to weep and said, I've been praying and I needed to hear that today. Listen, that wasn't anything complicated. Yeah, it requires us to, do, to die to self, worrying about reputation. But when we say, you know what? The blood of Jesus was as equally shed for that woman that was doing the cashier checkout as it was for me. If God lays it on my heart, I'm going to do it because he's the one that's going to carry it out. And she was obedient to it. A ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to talk about that word here in just a second. It says, what message? So we've got a ministry 
of reconciliation. And then it says, what message has God committed to us? So as you go into verse 19, it says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and right here, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So here's the message, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. So that's talking about forgiveness is through the cross. That's, that's the gospel message. Paul basically said, I've got two pieces of wood, three nails, and a Jewish man that hung on the cross for you. You don't have to get real complicated with people. As a matter of fact, sometimes we get too complicated. The fact of the matter is God loves people enough to send his son and die for them that through faith their sins would no longer be imputed to them. That's the message we've got. God desires. This is the work of God. You and I didn't come up with this. God desires for people to be reconciled back to himself. He knew the cost of sending his son before he ever laid the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 13 says that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Before God even created, he knew what would take place. And he knew he would have to send his son in order for all things to be made right. And most of us would look at that situation and go, I'm not sending my kid. But he still chose to send his. That's what motivates me. That's what motivates me, a God of love. That's what's different about Christianity, too. There's a lot of religions that claim to have a God. Work harder, you might make it. Do this, do this. If you get enough knowledge, I'll let you in. Our religion is based on grace. You can't do it. I'll do it for you. All I'm looking for out of you is humility, repentance, and faith. That's a good message. There's plenty of bad messages out there. There's plenty of self-help. There's plenty of work harder. There's not but one message of grace, and that's the message of Jesus Christ. That's the message that you and I have been given. That's the message that we're supposed to share. Question three. What does reconciliation mean? And why do people need to be reconciled to God? Let's talk about the second part of that first. Why? Why do people need to be reconciled to God? And I'm going to quiz you guys on pastor discipleship. If nobody can answer this, I know what I need to start teaching on. Why do people need to be reconciled to God? Somebody give me something. Adam's sin. We've all, right there it is, Romans. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and sin separates us from God. Sin is ultimately at its root rebellion against God. Whatever form it takes, uh, sometimes we can try to kind of, uh, whatever the right word is, uh, make it better than what it is. But really at the root of it, when Eve chose to eat that apple, it was rebellion at the core of that. She, she made the decision before she bit into the apple. It was all kind of that seed being planted, and she decided, you know what? I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. And if we all look into our life, we've seen that tendency within us. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need reconciliation. And we can't reconcile ourselves. But here's the real question. What does reconciliation mean? What does that mean? I can tell you you need to be reconciled to God. I can tell you that you are reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? I learned this with my child. Sometimes I'm telling my child to do something. He doesn't even know what the word means. Deacon, focus. Do you know what focus means? Don't have a clue, Dad. I'm yelling at him to do something. He doesn't know what to do. So I've kind of backed up in my teaching sometimes. Listen, it's basic stuff, but it's important stuff. Because if we don't know this, we don't know how to respond to it. So do we know what reconciliation means? Here we go. I'm going to break it down, the word, for you. Because I think this is amazing when you do things like this. Go ahead. Yep. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's where we're going with this. The word reconciliation has a Latin root. So here we go. A little bit of whatever you want to call this. Re, R-E, re. What does that mean? Again. Re. To redo something. To re. Anytime you re something, repeat again. Again, Right? So we're good with that. Con, C-O-N, that means with. Again, with, okay? The last part of that word, however you say it in the Latin, I'm just going to say ciliation. 
means uh, to make friendly again. So again with make friendly. But let's go a little deeper. That word ciliation comes from the word eyelash. So listen to me. You've got to hear this. God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. God in Christ was making a way to put you and me eyelash to eyelash with him again. That's what the word reconciliation means. That's what he had. That's what Adam and Eve had in the garden. They had face-to-face intimacy with God. Sin broke it. Christ on the cross made it a possibility again. That's what God desires from you and me. Not just the fact that we would be a, a child way off in the corner, but that you and me could be eyelash to eyelash with our Father. That's what the word reconciliation means. That's the ministry that you and I have. It's not just to tell people to come to church, although I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Why tell them to come to church? So they can be reconciled to God. So they can again be face to face with God. So that their life will be completely and radically changed. To reconcile is to put somebody back in that face to face relationship. Which is the most intimate relationship that you can have. So what do we do? What's an ambassador? Because that's right where you're at, B.A. That's the next thing that it says. We are Christ ambassadors. What does it mean to be an ambassador? Y'all didn't know you were coming for a quiz tonight, did you? Listen, when, I, when we send a, a, a foreign ambassador comes over here, what, is it, what does that mean? That means they're a representative of that country. They're speaking on behalf of that country. For you and me, if you're a Christian, you already have these titles. You are already reconciled. It's not something you're waiting for. You are already reconciled through the blood of Jesus. You are already a minister. You are already an ambassador. Whether you're living in these truths or not is where the problem lies. But they're already yours in Him. To be an ambassador means that you are an authorized representative or a messenger. So let's go back to this. Who's got the authority? Jesus. But the moment that you become a child of God, guess what? He gives you authority to carry the message of reconciliation. He says, I've accomplished it. I have all the authority. It's mine to give to whoever I want, and I give it to my brothers and sisters. You are my ambassadors in a broken world to carry a message of hope and healing through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that people might be saved. We're the ambassadors. This is what the church is left here for. If we were not left to fulfill the Great Commission, then when we dunk you in the tank, we might as well hold you down and send you to glory. Let's just be honest. Why do we bring people up? Going to heaven, everything was good. Just keep them down. Nope, he's not moving. All right, praise the Lord. That's not what we're doing. You go down to come out, and you come out with a new life in Christ and a message to take to the world. And you do that in your everyday going. If you go on a mission trip, praise God. I'm going to throw this out there. They're going to go back to Arizona. Go. If you can go, go. Mission trips are amazing. You see things that you don't get to see a lot of times. And you come back and you see your own community in a whole new light. But it's in your everyday going. I don't care if you work at the tire shop. I don't care if you work with cattle like I do. Now, I can't save them, okay? They're not listening to me. I've tried it. They're just the story of the pigs and the demons is true. I've seen it in cattle. But you're going to have opportunities. Listen, when you pray for what I call divine appointments, be prepared. You'll get them. Because if you say, you know what, I just want to be faithful, God. I am your ambassador. I've been reconciled, and now you're calling me to share this message with others. You start looking for opportunities. God will give them to you. You'll be riding on a lawnmower and see a big truck pull in that's 100 degrees. It's got to load a load of truck. And immediately you'll go, why did I pray? Why did I pray? But then you'll meet. Now, I'm going to share a story with you, all right? I'm loading this truck for this guy. For you guys that don't know that I work with cattle a lot, I'm loading a truck. The guy, I've not done anything. I'm covered in manure. I don't look like any type of holy man like people would think. We load cattle. He puts some in, and one kicks him in the shin, and curse word flies out. And for whatever reason, he turned around to me, and he said, for all I know, you could be a pastor. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, here we go. You could be a deacon. That was it. That was it. And I said, actually, brother, I'm a pastor. And his face, but guess what, opened up a doorway. Opened up a doorway. I said, man, I used to get kicked and say the same words, but Lord has sanctified my mouth. I still cringe. And, but 
So then we talked. Guess what? He got burned by a church, so he'd been out of the church for a while. So we talked. I gave him a book because he's going to be on the road. But I said, man, you ever come back, call me. We'll talk some more. It was just in my going. I didn't have to go anywhere. I was right in my job. I was looking for it. God will give it to you. He will use you. I don't care where you work or what your situation or circumstances is. You're an ambassador. And you've got the Holy Spirit within you for your child of God. Use it. Share that message. And I'm just going to jump to this because I told you guys I'd get you out of here. The gospel is the power. You're not the power. Your ability to speak is not what saves people. If that were true, none of you would be here. You wouldn't be listening to me. You'd get somebody that sounded a lot better. The power is in the message. Paul said, it is the power of God unto salvation. So I love what Charles Spurgeon said. I'm going to give it to him because I think he's who said it. He said, listen, the gospel, is, it's, it's like a lion. I don't have to check and make sure its claws are sharp and its teeth are sharp. I don't have to teach it how to hunt. All I have to do is open the cage and let it out. The gospel knows what to do. It's the message of salvation. It's the power of God. If you share it, brother or sister, it will do something. You may be the one that plants a seed. You may be the one that waters a seed. God is the one that gives an increase. You may get to see that fruit right in front of you, and you may not. But I promise you, when you share the gospel, it will produce something. It has to. It's the power of God. And I want to share this, too. We're talking about evangelism, so we're always talking about reaching out to those that are lost. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. You don't ever outgrow the gospel. Yeah, it's a message about the salvation of Jesus. But when I'm feeling downcast, I preach to myself. How can I preach to anybody else if I can't preach to myself? And I remind myself about the cost that Jesus paid for me. And I get happy inside. Because I'm not worthy of it. But he didn't decide that it was because I was smart or this or that. He made it up in his mind that he would send his son for all men. So I preach it to myself constantly. Preach it to your kids. Preach it to brothers and sisters in Christ when they are feeling down and they are beat down by the world. Preach it to them and remind them that he said, I'm with you. I'm with you in the hard times. I'm with you when the healing hasn't come yet. I'm with you when the finances are drying up. I'm with you when the marriage is rocky. I'm with you in all these things. I didn't save you to leave you as an orphan. You're my child. That's a good message. We got a good message. Please leave here tonight and hear that. That's my heart. Paul said, here's what compels me, the love of Christ. That's what motivates me, the love of Christ. Look, we can talk about sin. I'll get with you. I'll talk about holiness and trying to live holy in areas where I'm falling short. But the thing that motivates me and the thing that I've seen break through people is love. The love of Christ. You want me to live a life of holiness? You tell me about how much Jesus paid for me. And let me look at my life in the context of this is what he paid for me. Why am I in this stuff? You tell me I need to clean my act up? I'm trying sometimes. I can't do it. But you tell me there's one that if I come to him, he'll clean me up? Yeah, I'll come to him because I need it. That's the reconciliation to God. It's the message that through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, he is king, he is Lord over heaven and earth, and he desires for us to make disciples. And by making disciples, that's making children of God that know God in this way that we do. Amen. Amen. I get excited about this. Now, my notes are all messed up, but we're good. We're good. In John chapter 13, that's where it goes after this, because we've talked about Christ's ambassadors. That means you're authorized. You, brother, sister, have already been authorized by the King of Kings to share this message. Think about this. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to challenge you guys. If you were sent from a foreign country to go to another country with a message, and you didn't deliver that message, that was disobedience. When we don't open our mouths and share this message, that's disobedience. However you want to look at it, God is a God of grace and mercy, but He desires that we would speak. And so when you get into John chapter 13, I'm just going to go off my head right here. We got it right there. Jesus says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love is crucial. If there's no love in the household of God, why would anybody want to be a part of this? Listen, you're talking about communication. We got dysfunctional families, and when the church is all over the place, and we say, Come in, God loves you. And, oh, what do I want? No, that's just like what I got. There ain't no difference there. Look, we've got to love one another. That's a key part 
You want to share this message? It's got to be a message of God, loving God and loving others. That's got to take place right here. That's a key component. That's how people know we're truly disciples. We're marked by love. Yes. Has to be genuine. Oh, man. People can see through it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's got to be genuine. Listen, if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody, but you got to love them. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes people may be difficult, but you know what? The blood of Jesus was shed for them as much as it was for me. I just say that to myself all the time because i got to remind myself of that, and i got to love others the way that God loves me, to the best of my ability. I can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. Here's what I wanted you to find out about this passage right here. It is, and I kind of was curious why they went here, but as I looked into it a little bit more, I'm not sure this is where they're going, but it's where I'm going. Jesus is telling his disciples in this discourse in, in John 13, 14, 15, that he's leaving. Now, I'm going. Can you imagine being with him for three years and then him saying, I'm out, I'm leaving? You know what that would do to you internally? Oh, man, and so, well, let's go. We want to go with you. You can't, where I'm going, you can't go. I'm going to prepare a mansion for you, a place for you, okay? And then he tells them, as I'm gone, this is a mark of my disciples. You're going to love one another. So that's crucial. But then he goes on a little bit further, and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a helper, So this is what I heard a guy say, and I wrote this down. Jesus sent the Spirit not to compensate for his absence, but to guarantee his presence. I'm going to say that again because I I had to hear it about five times. I'm going to give it to you twice. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit not to make up for, not to compensate for him being gone, but to guarantee his presence. Because as you go on in John, I think it's chapter 14, It says that if you are in my Father and my Father is in you, I'm in you, I will make myself manifest in you. That's the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you were obedient to what you... Yeah. Yep, the Holy Spirit's the one that leads us. And this is what I'm saying. Uh, Jesus has more invested in your ministry than you do. He's, he's the one that died, and he's the one that sent the Holy Spirit. It's his ministry that we get to be a part of. It's not our ministry. We're ministers, but we're only ministers insofar as we are carrying out his ministry, his work. We get to be the hands and feet, but he's the head. Don't ever forget that. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, if we are the body of Christ, then his mission is our mission. Yep. And everything that he did, he authorized us to do it. When you described it, it was going away. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit has given us that, and so you'd be witness with me throughout the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to witness to people. There's a lot of other things that goes along with that. A lot. Your life is really the greatest witness yep. that you can have. But it's his, like I said, it's our mission. If it's Jesus' mission, it's our mission. Yes, that's it. That's, that's what he's saying. And all of this right here. I heard a guy say the other day, whether you agree or disagree, I, I think it was kind of catchy, so I'll share it. He said there's, there's five Gospels. Now, if you know that, what I'm saying, there's actually only four in the Bible. But he said there's five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. Most people only read one. What he's saying is not a lot of people reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. There's a lot of people reading you. There's a lot of people reading you. And they're going to look at you. And listen, I'm not trying to put a lot of pressure on you because we're talking about his ministry. But I am trying to hopefully bring some conviction to say, listen... 
It is important. If we're going to talk about evangelism, let's go deeper than just what we speak. Let's, let's get to the root of everything. How we conduct ourselves. People are reading us. Imitate us. I, I, that's a big challenge, but if I'm going to be a disciple, it's in my going. As everyone is watching me. As I'm a husband, as I'm a father, as I'm a pastor, as I'm a cowman, as I'm everything that I have to be, and then some... That all falls under the category of being a disciple of Jesus. That's all of my life. And then I am going to share this because in Romans chapter 10, Paul says this. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he gets down and, and a little bit later and he says, but how can they hear unless someone goes? How can they hear unless someone shares it with them? And how can they share it unless they're sent? There's this pattern how can someone be saved unless someone shares with them? It, there's, it doesn't happen. Somebody has to share the message. Well, how does somebody share the message unless they're sent by somebody? And so here's what I'm doing for you tonight. I'm just reiterating this right here. You've been sent. If you're a child of God, you are sent. He has sent you and he has sent me into this world. That's why when you got baptized, you didn't just shoot up into heaven. You came out with a purpose to be sent to speak and to share the gospel and to live as a child of God. Show people what it means to be loved by God so they can be reconciled because you've been reconciled. You've got the message. Share it with them. And then uh, Paul goes on to say that how beautiful are the feet. How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. I want some beautiful feet. I want some beautiful feet. And you got to speak. And so I put it this way. Open your mouth and move your feet. Don't just do one or the other. Some people think, i got to go, so they get to move in their feet, but they keep their mouth shut. Some people, all they do is stand in one place and talk. Listen, we got to open our mouths and we got to move our feet. By the power of the Holy Spirit, tell people about the love of God that has been revealed through Jesus Christ because you, brothers and sisters, have the Holy Spirit. You are an ambassador. You have been reconciled. You've got the message that saves. It's like having the cure for cancer and keeping it to yourself. You would never do that. You got the message that saves souls for all of eternity. When you bump into a person, this is C.S. Lewis for you. When you see somebody, that's an eternal soul. Then when all things fade away, that person will spend eternity with or without God. And in the bumping in that you had, you had a chance. And I had a chance. I, I'll weep if I say too much of it, but there's a quote that a guy said. I'm going to share this with some of you parents. You, you got to share with your children. Now, I don't care if your children are babies or if you're just hearing this for the first time and your kids are 20s, 30s, wherever they're at. Just hear it, take it, go with it. God will restore the years. God will restore the years, okay? But he said, when, when all things dissolve, mountains are made low, rivers and valleys are taken away, the soul of your child will remain. What are we doing? What are we doing? People are eternal. Yeah, you'll pass away, but there's going to be a resurrection. We'll get to that in the next chapter. But people don't just cease to exist. People will spend eternity with or without God. You and I have been reconciled, not so that it could stop with us, but so that it could get to somebody else. Let's go. Let's go in the power and the love of God. Let the love of Christ compel you and move your feet and open your mouth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I love you. God, I thank you. My heart has been stirred just as I got to teach this. What a privilege it is to talk about being reconciled. God, it's a work that you did we could never do. But you, God, sent your son to die in our place, to crush the power of the enemy, God, so that people don't have to live trapped in sin and bondage and darkness darkness separated from you, but instead, God, through faith in Jesus Christ, through simple humility and faith in Jesus, we can be reconciled to you, brought back eyelash to eyelash to see you, God, as you are. And then as Paul talked about, Moses' face shone, and he covered it with a veil, but Paul tells us we need to go out with our faces shining and open for people to see. So I pray for divine appointments I pray that in our going, we recognize opportunities to disciple, 
to share the love of Christ through our words and through our deeds. And I pray, Lord, that there are more baptisms and there's more teaching and more imitating of Christ. I just pray that this is a seed that's planted or a seed that is watered in you. Give it the increase, God. Let the love of Christ compel us, Lord. Bless these, your people. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.